0: Good, e- good evening everyone, welcome to Hawks Insiders, Thursday night safe space on this, the uh, as I call from my watch, the 10th of November, um, we are only about uh, between, less than three weeks before the AFL draft, we are about a week or so before Hawthorne goes to the polls, plenty of happy. My name is Ashley Brown, good to have you with us for the next little while or so, Um Just to let you know, we will do the footy stuff first, a bit to discuss on the politics level, but we'll do that towards the end. But uh, footy's a core business, that's why you all jump on every week and listen to us, so we'll do that first. So let me say good evening to my co-host with us tonight. Hello, Andrew Weiss.
1: Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. And isn't it funny that of all the weeks in the year, it feels like we've uh, been the busiest this week.
0: We have been
2: busy this week. You cut out there. Uh, Brad Clabouncy, hello. Hello, all. Good to be back after a week off. Apologies of my absence last week. Work commitments, but good to be back. Uh, we have a wicket at the cricket. I think Rishbash has been run out for six. England, uh, I think India now
0: 558 with a couple of balls remaining. Hello, Danny Prince.
3: Ash, it's good to be with you again tonight. Looking forward to a chat about football.
0: Yes, there is a bit of discussion on the football front at the uh, the Hawthorne Football Club. Um, just to suggest some housekeeping, we uh, we have recorded a podcast today with um, Peter Nankerville, uh, which will go up sometime soon. We're recording one with Andy Gowers tomorrow um, and the rest of the board members and aspirants to follow not long after that. So we're in the middle of that, but we'll park that to the side for a little bit now. Um, and a reminder, next week being our draft preview Gangbusters edition, Cal Toomey from AFL Media, the draft guru, will be joining us at around this time for an extensive chat about the draft through the lens of the Hawthorne Footy Club. Of course, Danny Prims is our draft guru. And a bit later on in this spaces, he's going to look at the second round, who the Hawks are likely to pick on the second round. Pick his story on the Substack about the first round is up now. We commend that to you highly on Hawks Insiders. Um but we will start looking at the later picks in a bit tonight. Um, Bit of news of the Hawks. Uh, Cade Simpson has joined Hawthorne, assistant coach. We'll get to that shortly. Hopefully, someone who knows him a bit from his time at Carlton will be joining us at some stage as well for a bit of insight into what the Hawks are getting with their new defensive coach. But first, we promise we'll we'll throw a bomb into proceedings, and we're going to do that now. Um, Brad... Take it away. You, 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 This is your sort of baby. You told me about it. And I think it's great. and I know the person involved, um, but this is your baby. And then I want to throw it open for discussion. And as always, please, if you feel free, you want to take part in the discussion. Request to speak. We'll get you on as quickly
2: as we can. Brad, the floor is yours. Thanks, Ash. It's not a news bomb, but it was an interesting discussion I had in the office with a recently retired player who's actually at the moment, Ash, you can confirm, but he is there, would you say he's an assistant coach or he's a coach at a current club? A coach, important the coaching capacity at a current AFL club, yes. Yes, and we were having an in-depth discussion on, you know, who we thought at our supported clubs is basically, you know, a potential Brownlow medalist, you know, who's basically a future star. And... The name that came up, Hawthorne came up into discussion, and the name that was brought up was Jai. And this said current assistant coach at a club claims that Jai Newcombe is James Warple, Mark II, if not a lesser player than James Warple was. Despite Warps winning the 2019 Best and Fairest for Us, this person believes Jai is going to follow suit. And I had a few stern words to say to him, Follow suit suiters in not winning a, not necessarily any best affairs, but will reach his ceiling pretty quickly. He believes that Jai has already reached his ceiling and will not get any better. if anything, he's going to uh, regress in the next couple of seasons. And his reasoning for that, which is fair enough, I did disagree with uh, the thoughts because I think Jai is going to be an absolute superstar, but with Tom and uh, Jager going out, And as we saw last year when those guys didn't play, Joe copped a bit of uh, attention. And he had a couple of games where he did struggle. But the St Kilda game was a perfect example. In the first half, Windhager tagged him heavily. He struggled. He was able to go forward and kick a couple of goals. And I'm pretty sure he still ended up with 20-plus possessions. And it was an interesting discussion because it got quite uh, petered. But I guess we've seen what happens with what happened with Warps at the end of 2019. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. But I know there would have been a lot of our supporters at the end of 2019 who would have believed, with the emergence of J- um, James Warpole, with the inclusion of you know um, Jager and Tom Mitchell and Isaac Smith still at the club, and you know Liam Shields was you know three years ago that you know Warpole had the opportunity to become one of our you know elite players and star uh, midfielders. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I just thought it was interesting, a very interesting uh, discussion. And it'd be interesting to get people's thoughts. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts or if anyone's got any uh, worries about Jai copping a lot of attention next season. But as I said to this person, Jai has played, I'm pretty sure, under 25 games. He polled 11 Brownlow votes last year, our leading Brownlow medal vote getter. And I believe with another pre-season under his belt, he's going to be even better next season being our number one. Uh, that was a uh,
0: yeah, good summation of, of the discussion, Brad. Um, couldn't quite believe it when you told it to me. But uh, it is certainly a talking point among Hawthorne supporters. And he's going to be the number one midfielder for Hawthorne in 2023. It's going to start with him. So, therefore, if, if teams tag, and teams don't often tag, as much as they used to. But uh, if they do, it is likely that Newcomb is going to cop the tag. So that'll be fascinating to see where he's ready to be the number one midfielder at all times and whether he how he cops the tag. Because that's right, Winhager did a pretty good job on him for at least a half of the game. I think it was the second game of the year at uh, Marvel Stadium. So, Danny, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think, uh, looking at things objectively, is, is there any truth to that sort of thing that he... Maybe close to ceiling, or do you think there's still a tremendous upside in Giant Newcomb?
3: Ash, you and I spoke earlier today, and you told me you were going to drop a bomb. You and Brad. Uh, I wanted to know what it was, and you said, "No, no, you're going to have to wait." And I'm going to. I want to get your live reaction. Uh, there is so much wrong with that take from said AFL coach. I think I understand possibly where the point might come from in terms of Newcomb's fully developed adult body that he already has. And maybe there's not a lot of sort of potential strength development from that point of view, which was similar to Warpole when he entered the AFL system. He was, a, he was a, a boy in a man's body and he was ready to hit the ground running and he was able to do that. But there are, I think that's where the similarities start and stop with Newcomb and Warpole and their respective situations. Don't get me wrong. I think next year Newcomb will have some up periods and probably quite a few down periods, especially because, as you mentioned, he will be our number one midfielder heading into next season. And he's going to cop a heck of a lot more attention and he's going to have to navigate his way through the tags that inevitably will come. But all young players that are emerging as stars of our game go through this period where they have to work through how to play through a tag, that's not, that's not you know, just for Jai Newcomb. What Jai showed us this year in his first full season at AFL level is that every time we thought we had him worked out as a player, he showed us another trick or another string to his bow. Initially, I thought, this is a good young player who loves to tackle, but he can't get a lot of the footy. That was in his first season when he came in and in in that game at the SCG and was phenomenal tackling everything that moved. Then he showed us he can find the footy in close. And then I thought, okay, he's a clearance machine. That's fine. He's going to be the guy that gets it and gives it out a la Tom Mitchell. Then he showed us he can win it on the outside and his endurance base is fantastic and he can move from contest to contest. And I thought, okay, well, that's good. Then the Windhager situation happened and he sat on him and I thought, well, what's he going to do to work his way through this? He went forward, he kicked two goals, he broke the tag, and then he ended up, like Brad said, having over 20 touches for that game. Every single time this young man's been challenged, not only has he stepped up to the plate, but he's taken his game to a level that rises above the challenge that he's faced with. And I can only assume, based on watching quite a lot of John Newcomb, that this coach is just put has put some lazy man's comparisons to the situations between Newcomb and Warple. The other thing that leads me to vehemently disagree with this assumption is that Warple did all those things in the year where he was given free reign because Mitchell had broken his leg and then struggled the next year when Mitchell came back and took that mantle as the number one midfielder. Next year, Jai Newcomb will be given the opportunity to be the number one midfielder, but he's already shown that even when he's not, he can still be incredibly effective in different roles. So I couldn't disagree with that, um, that summation of Jai Newcomb's ceiling anymore if I tried. And I could keep talking for plenty of time, but I know we want to get other people's opinions, not just the Daniel Prince show. So um, yeah, I disagree uh, with my whole whole body and soul on that opinion.
0: See?
1: Uh well, I definitely don't have the quite the in-depth analysis that Prinzy's got and I'll um I'll probably end up arriving at the same place as Prinzy because I am an absolute fanboy of Jai, but the first thing I'd say, I mean hopefully Brad turned to this coach and said, that you should worry about your own backyard before you go snooping around other people's. I feel like you could very comfortably mount an argument for this coach's perspective if you really, really wanted to. And that would be an argument as someone who potentially didn't watch him or get the joy out of watching him that we were able to. So I think there's both sides to the argument because um, you could say in a year where there weren't a huge number of positives, is it over-accentuated in terms of what he did, the fact you talked about the tag um, and what it's going to look like next year if he is the number one midfielder and he's got a tag sitting on him every week. But, I think that any of those sorts of judgments, regardless, like he's a kid, have to be done over a three, four, five-year period. And and the reality is, if he has a heavy tag on him every week next week, actually what it's going to do in terms of the midfield unit is open up the door for a Josh Ward or a Dylan Moore or someone else who's potentially off the leash a bit more through the midfield. So I don't think any of those calls or snap judgments can be made on A, the small amount of um, the small sample size of his career that we've got today, or B, what we see in the next 12 months. It's got to be judged over a three-, four-, five-year period. So all we actually do have to go by is his body of work so far. And again, as a Hawthorne supporter, like uh, he has been... Absolutely incredible. So uh, then you get more to the princy side of things that it's all about how exciting he is and um, how, you know, how developed he is for a youngster, how he wins his own ball. Certainly at the start of last season, there were questions over the quality of his disposal. And whilst that was sometimes there, like his ability to get, um to, to, to break through the middle and penetrating kicks was also there. And, yeah, he's just uh, – what he did for his age was unbelievable. And, and, you know, I'm preaching to a group of converted here. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd get back to, look, just worry about your own – just worry about your own lot because we are perfectly happy with where he is at the moment.
0: Yes, I uh, I thought that uh, you can... every time with ball there was an area of his game in which he was deficient uh, in the next game we worked together. I was a bit worried about, you know, when he first broke it inside, side, you know, it was the fourteen tackles or whatever on debut. Yeah, but what can he do with the ball? It was pretty clear that he could do some uh, nice work with the ball, but it looked like he didn't quite have the acceleration and burst away from pack. Suddenly he looked a fair degree faster. Um there's a time when he was too cute with his kicks, and I was a bit critical once or twice early in the season. He was a bit cute with the football, but he seemed to soon ironed out the inefficiencies with the ball. and he ended the season, in brilliant touch. In fact, he played every game last year. I don't think he missed the game. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to Hawthorne If inevitably he uh, inevitably he gets injured, so um, uh, and he doesn't play, and what but do to the side and uh, the makeup of the side, but. Uh, It was, uh, I know the person involved, the person has a very sharp uh, football mind, um, but it might be just hasn't paid enough attention to Hawthorne to see that uh, Newcomb is a pretty good player, where he stacks up in competitions. Best player who knows, certainly the AFL coaches thought he was the best player, best young player in the competition last year because of the award they gave him. So I'd be interested to see what. if that opinion is shared by the senior coach of that club, who was one of 18 who nominated him as the one of the best young players, as the best young player in the competition. So we'll see where that goes. Um, more news out of the Hawks uh, from a list point of view. We've been wondering what would happen with uh, Seamus Mitchell. The club today said they were not offering a spot on the senior list next year, but there was a commitment to pick him up in the rookie draft, unless your name is Hugh Greenwood. Um, chances are that you'll end up on the rookie list at the same club as you were once on the senior list. Danny, work through the mechanic. We'll, we'll talk about the merits of the decision shortly
3: and, and what we
0: hope and expect to see from the next season. Just walk us through the mechanics of what this all means.
3: Yeah. So I think the, the reason why this is done is for flexibility at the national draft. So, um, with Mitchell taking up a, um, a a main list spot currently, um, it, it leaves us with one less spot to be taken as a draft pick or with a draft selection. So delisting Mitchell and re- drafting him as a rookie, uh, the risk around it is that another club might like Seamus Mitchell and pick him up beforehand. But that, like you said, that's very, very rare. Um, and with the understanding and mutual understanding um, uh, decision to be made to jump on the rookie list. Um, you know, generally that sort of thing happens. Uh, and it just gives Hawthorne the ability to go to the draft with five spots to be taken. So they can take up, you know, an, an, an extra player in the draft should, um, you know, live trading happen or something like that. So it's really about the flexibility when they're on they're on draft night. If they, if they get a bit later in the draft and, Um, you know, Cooper Vickery gets bid on after pick 40 or uh, Jerome Lawrence gets bid on and they want to match those picks or they see somebody that's fallen that they didn't expect to fall, they can then take that pick.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong though quickly, Princey. Is Jai still a rookie? So it's essentially Mitchell goes on the rookie list and then they elevate Jai and basically takes his senior spot. They don't have to elevate Jai.
3: Um, He signed a two and a half year rookie deal and he's a one and a half years through it. So he can still theoretically stay on the rookie list for another year, but they've got that many list spots open at the moment that they can move things around as they see fit.
0: Yep. Uh, it's quite bizarre that uh, John Nickens, one of all the three best players he's still on the uh, rookie list, but that is the perplexing state of the way AFL lists are constructed these days. But uh, so can
1: I just ask, Prinzi, what what would the actual benefit be of elevating him onto the list if he's able to play in that rookie list spot? John Newcomb?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, probably it's just a show of faith, right? So you'd be rewarding him with a new contract. Um, so that would be the only real reason I think you'd do that. I don't think there's any other reason to take him off that rookie list until you have to, unless you you know, had money in the salary cap, you wanted to increase and pay him sort of a front-end loaded contract, uh, you could do something like that.
0: I think a fun exercise for us to do later in the year might be, or in pre-season next year, to so look at all the expiring contracts and work out, if we were the list managers, how many more years we would give each player. So that might be something fun to do. Certainly, John Newcomb uh, is now entering his contract year. I would imagine he will be re-signed for... Uh, well, it's the exercise just for John Newcomb now, given we're talking about him. How long would you re-sign him for, Brad?
2: Joe, I think he does. At, I'd give him at least a, probably a, a four-year deal. I know Hawthorne don't like giving long-term deals, but he's young and he's arguably in our top three best players and he's earned the right to at least probably a minimum of a three-year deal. What do you think, Wasey?
1: Yeah, I'd be... Uh, I mean, obviously the consideration has to be given to the balance of all of the other players and contracts on the list, but I'd have no issues giving him a four-year deal. I certainly Ciss is obviously on the five-year deal, and I'd be very cautious about any five-plus for anybody. Um, but I would have no hesitations giving Jai uh, giving Jai a four-year contract.
0: All right. Now we've got Howard Cotton on the line, the great Howard Cotton, uh, one of the doyens of football writing in Melbourne. Howard, for all he has, has many great qualities, but one. Uh, major fault in that he backs with Carlton. We've invited him on to uh, join us this evening. Cade Simpson after a distinguished 20-year career, it must be said, at the Carlton Football Club as a 300-game player the last couple of years as, an, as, the, as a coach for the AFLW program. He today joined Hawthorne as an assistant coach. Howie, take yourself off mute if you know how to do that and uh, we want to talk to you, ask you about what sort of person uh, Hawthorne are getting with Cade Simpson, firstly. Uh, welcome to Hawthorne's side. It's good to have you here, mate.
4: Yeah, great to be with you, Ash, and everyone. Um, yeah, look, I know that when I, I did the uh, piece on uh, Simo for the uh, record when I interviewed him for the 300 uh, – celebrating his 300th game, and he mentioned to me at that time about uh, his, you know, aspirations in football and where he wanted it to, to go. And he certainly wanted to be involved in football uh, – post his playing career. So it certainly doesn't surprise me that he's gone down this path. Um, I think originally it was going to be recruitment. That was what he was. And in fact, I think he was even involved in recruitment um, as he was a player at, uh, in these latter days as a player at Carlton. And then obviously it's gone down, as you mentioned, um, the, the path of development coach. And I think he was involved certainly with the AFLW program, but even I think maybe with the men's program very briefly, and now, of course, uh, with the, he, he's gone on to uh, to be a, a line coach at uh, at the Hawks, and so it's really been a progression. And um, and I think you know it's been something that he's planned pretty well, maybe not as well planned as the Hawthorne senior coaches' uh, progression, Ash, but certainly um, he would be. Uh, you know, he's he's got his uh, his life uh, fairly well in, in order, and uh, he's always had that aspiration to be a coach. And I, I wish him the best. Look. There's the 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 uh, Asper, or the the view about Simo is that he's um, a pretty quiet sort of bloke, certainly off the field. But if you look at if you cast your mind back and watch Carlton games in, in the past, he was certainly a team leader um, on the field, and he was always directing traffic in that back half. Um, while he wasn't ever um, in the role as captain per se, he certainly acted as captain on occasions, and he really was the captain of the back line. So a bit like Chris Newman, I suppose, in that respect at Richmond, of course, although Chris Newman was uh, was certainly has gone on, uh, or, you know, he, he was uh, he was the captain of the team, whereas Simo wasn't actually captain in, in uh, the status, but certainly uh, he, he really acted like a captain on the field. And I think, look, I think that's, uh, uh, you'll see a lot of good leadership from him. Yeah, as I say, quite, very quietly spoken, but uh, gets his point across pretty firmly. And it'll be interesting to see how he how he uh, interacts with uh, all the other uh, players and coaches at the Hawthorne Footy Club.
0: Um, we used to sort of say that uh, when Sam Mitchell went to West Coast, and it was we sort of s- still half say the same thing about people like Jay Ruffhead and, and Luke Hodge That oh, one day they'll come back. I would imagine that uh, there is a belief at Carlton that it's probably the best best thing from. Do- Actually, for his development as a coach, he used to go somewhere else and wear the polo shirt of another club for the time being. Then maybe you would hope that one day he'll be, he'll be back.
4: Yeah, well, let's see how it goes to the coach. But I'd say that'd be you know that'd be the aspiration, obviously, for a lot of Carlton supporters. Look, he he was a a, a real favourite son and uh, played in an era, unfortunately, that wasn't as successful as a lot of uh, other Carlton players who uh, who played uh, the, who reached that milestone, of course, and wasn't able to play in a premiership team, certainly played in finals, but wasn't able to play in a premiership team. Um, and you, yes, I'm sure he would uh, like to uh, come back at uh, at some stage and uh, maybe come back uh, when uh, the team is, uh, well, you know, is a little bit more successful in, than he, in his era, but look, he did, he did everything possible to, uh, to be a successful player and his preparation. I remember talking to Brett Ratton about this um, and, you know Brett, of course, was number seven. Simo was number six. Simo got rather um, nervous when he was, um, you know, given that number because he was, you know, next to to Rats and uh, and uh, Andy McKay. I think at that stage, so he's between those two. Um, but he really learned a lot from them, and his preparation was uh, fastidious and second to none. So I'm sure that's what he'll uh, imbue. In the uh, in the Hawthorne players, uh, the Hawthorne defenders that'll he'll, uh, he'll be under his control and I'm sure they'll learn a lot from him but yeah look um, eventually I suppose uh, you know uh, the uh, not the fairy tale but uh, you'd like to see uh, eventually the favorite sons go back but I think that it's for his development as you as you quite rightly point out I think it's the best thing for him to get out of that uh, program and get out of that environment get into a new club, a new environment, and I think that will benefit him with, without any question.
0: Yeah, a few people have done that in footy. Corey Enright's the same, spent his whole playing career and then started off coaching at Geelong yep. and real, realised he'd need to get away. He's gone to St Kilda for more reports. Um, he's, he's doing great work there. And there's been a, a few others as well. who uh, Daniel June who are to Essendon is another one, whose stock as a coach has really risen yep. since leaving the Bulldogs to go to and having been at the Dogs his
4: whole footy life really. Yeah, so, but, you know, as I say, there's the perception about Simo that he's a quiet man and he's, you know, a nice guy. And he's a nice guy. His parents are very nice. I, mean, I know his parents quite well. We, My wife and I went away uh, to Tasmania, actually. I think you remember, Ash, that we went to a, Tasman, a couple of Tasmanian games. My wife, of course, is a Hawthorne supporter, as you know. And so we went to see Hawthorne and Carlton down in Tasmania and we stayed in the same um hotel complex as Mr and Mrs Simpson and are very, very nice people. And uh, Cade, um, uh, I caught up with Cade actually I think at the airport that uh, just after that game and he he knew that, uh, my, per- uh, that uh, my wife and I had stayed at the same complex and he was quite uh, – uh, You know, uh, happy that uh, we caught up and uh, and and on you know and caught up uh, in terms of uh, coffees and meeting up uh, in the street. Of course, Launceston isn't uh, very such a very big place uh, in terms of uh, where where you stay and uh, go to the uh, and then make your way to the football ground. So uh, it was obviously uh, you know quite easy to catch up. But um, yeah, so I know the family quite well and. uh, and Cade, uh, is, look, he's always conducted himself very well off off the field, speaks very well, and uh, I think he'll grow. I think he'll grow under Sam Mitchell. He'll grow under a new environment. As, as you say, he's been in the same environment all of his football career. Now he goes to a new environment, a successful environment, and uh, let's see how he goes. But I'm sure he'll be a great success. Uh,
0: a couple of things before I let you go, Howie. Um you are a good friend of uh, of Brett Ratton, uh, yep. former fourth assistant coach, who was yep. uh, recently removed as coach of St Kilda. Have you touched base yep. with Rat? And uh, what's the feeling, Felix, on with uh, with the unfortunate fate that uh, befell him?
4: Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm as you know, I think we had a coffee over this, and uh, I'm uh, well. I was both. Luther and I were sitting on the on the couch, and we were absolutely gobsmacked when we saw the news come through from Callum Toomey, our mate at uh, afl.com.au, uh, uh, who broke the story. And uh, I, I was just couldn't believe it. But uh, look, you've got to believe anything in football these days, Ash, don't you? It's very hard. There's a lot of things that. Uh, you know you just thought wouldn't have wouldn't have thought could happen but uh it it, it did happen and uh, of course the the amazing thing was of course that the St Kilda football club re-signed Brett remarkably as it turned out now for in July uh for 2 years now he goes away as any one would in any position any job really you go away and you think well i've got two more years in this position you know i can plan ahead i can um Get my life in order. I can, you know, do certain things with my family. All these sorts of things that uh, you can do when you when you've got a two year contract in front of you. Then suddenly, three months uh, after that, it's all taken away from you, which is just staggering. Staggering. Look, what um, I think I I mentioned to you that um, look, we've texted him a a couple of times. Um, He has gone overseas, which I think is the smart thing to do with his family. I think that trip was planned before um the what hap- what the fate that befell him at St Kilda. He um but may have brought the timing forward slightly because of what happened. Um we will catch up with him face to face. Uh my wife and I definitely intend to catch up with him face to face and uh, discuss matters and see exactly I'm sure that he'll have a very interesting spin about uh what actually happened there. Um but look I I feel very um very you know, sad for him and uh, it's happened to him twice now I think he's an excellent coach and I think everyone at Hawthorne would accept that an excellent coach and uh, he'll get a job again, he'll get a job as a, an assistant coach uh, maybe not as a senior coach, his days as a senior coach I think are probably over he may he may not believe that but my view would probably be that it'd be very difficult to see him getting a job as a senior coach but as an assistant coach I just don't think there's too many better Ash I really don't and uh, I'd say he'll definitely uh, find his way into a position in the club. The unfortunate thing, of course, was this happened in mid-October, early October, leaving it, making it very difficult for him to get a job. I mean, it's all the positions were taken, or most of the positions have been taken. Um, Simo, of course, has got the, the role now at Hawthorne, but really most of the ones have, 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 been, uh, have been filled, and it's very difficult for Rats to... Uh, to, to get a, another position, he's been given, of course, uh, has been well documented the six months payout, which I don't think is adequate. To be quite honest, but uh, anyway, um, he's got that six months, but then that will take him up to what April, and then what happens? So um, yeah, look, it's not a good situation. Not, I mean, there's no 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 sacking can be pleasant. There's no you can you know there's no way that you can. Um, turn this or, or manufacture it in a very pleasant way. But I think the way that it was done was uh, particularly uh, ruthless and uh, clunky. There's a lot of words that we could use to describe it, um, but not very professional either. Last
0: question, Harry. For, uh, we thank you for coming on. and I think you might have yeah. stepped out of a movie to talk to us. We appreciate I
4: that. I did. Um,
0: I want to know what you, you're someone who's written and uh, observed footy for a very long time. Uh, yep. the, the two views on Hawthorne. one is that uh, they're taking all the necessary steps; the other one is that they've cut their list too deeply. And as someone who's a Carlton person, and you were there when Carlton arguably did the same thing around twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, the early Bolton days. Yeah. Hawthorne cut too deeply, or is it have they taken? They scratched the pull off the band-aid at precisely the right time.
4: I reckon they've done the right thing. I really do. Um, I don't think um, you know Tom Mitchell's been a terrific. Uh, acquisition for, for Hawthorne over uh, over the period that he was there. Of course, won the Brownlow. But, you know, was he going to take you much further? I'm really not – I really don't think he was. Jay Amira, the same. Terrific player and got obviously got his body right. And as we saw, there was no doubt of his ability, when he, which he showed even at the Suns. Once he got to Hawthorne, got his body right and has been a, a really good player, Um for the hawks but the thing is with the way that your list is i think at the moment i just think that you've got to look towards you know the next well within you know 3 or 4 years down the track and i think that's where mitchell's looking tom uh, sam, sam mitchell of course sorry is where he's looking and i think he's looking three, three or four years down the track and you know okay jack gunston as well you definitely won. It would be winning a few more games with those with that trio in the team. Take a little bit of pain at the moment, but then build it up to uh, with some uh, uh, smart recruiting and some good drafting uh, to a situation whereby in three or four years, I think the Hawks will be ready to uh, to challenge again. And I think it's very much taken from the template that uh, Mitchell saw with uh, Clarkson in early in his uh, tenure at hawthorne obviously he had the advantage of having uh, franklin rough Lewis, lewis etc in that draft which is the the other thing is i suppose now with the possibility of tasmania coming into the, the competition you want to get in now with your draft picks before you know a, ta- a new a new franchise like tasmania or maybe another franchise comes in and suddenly all the dra- all the good draft picks are gone so i think that's Take your medicine now. Get a good get a get some good players in into that system, and then eventually, three or four years down the track, we'll be ready to challenge again. That's the way I see it. All right, very,
0: very last question. Yep. A, a number. How, how many wins Carlton next year?
4: Uh, I would say absolute minimum thirteen. There you go. Absolute you might... minimum, and <laughs> the, they have to. They have to be. In the final, in the uh, finals, without any question. I mean, anything else is a failure. I've been a big Vossi fan, as you know. I think Voss has done a terrific job with uh, in the first year. Was to remember that the first year that he was there. Um, so there was a lot of, um, you know, feeling out the, the looking at the uh, at the uh, group that he's got, looking at the strengths and weaknesses of the players. So you know, he wasn't going to make any instant decisions. He's made quite a few interesting decisions in, in uh, the postseason. season One particular with Liam Stocker, which is a player that Carlton invested a lot in, um, in to, to actually get him. And now that he's been uh, dispensed with um, or released, it's there's been a lot of discussion among uh, Carlton supporters about the rights and wrongs of, of that decision. But um, I think he's, made, he's certainly made decisions. It's going to be his group going forward. And no doubt that, uh, you know, as I say, (laughs) very disappointing to miss out, obviously, so close in the final game against Collingwood, beaten by a point. Um, But now you go away, you take your medicine, and then you just say, right, we've got to... The absolute bottom line is we have to win, uh, well, as I say, I think minimum is 13 games and make the finals in uh, 2023. Howie...
0: It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on and giving us a bit of insight to Kate Simpson and uh, and Brett Radden, who, is fondly, uh, who, who all Hawthorne people have fond feelings yep. for. So thanks, mate. Good to talk to you, and we'll yep. talk to you again soon.
4: Pleasure. Good on you guys.
0: That is the great Howard P. Cotton. Um, I want to go back to Seamus Mitchell quickly. Brad, before we finish up, what does he need to do? What do we need to see from Seamus Mitchell in 2023?
2: I think he just needs some uh, consistency playing at our Box Hill. I think when he was drafted, you know, we were all really keen to see how he would go. He's got pace. He seems like he's got pretty decent skills. Princey would know more about him, but he was touted as, you know, potentially a really good player and someone who we would have seen play quite a bit of senior football. So he's obviously struggled to get continuity into his game at our Box Hill, but I think he just needs a full season of consistent footy at Box Hill, and I think he can earn his way back onto our list. We're going to have, you know, our list is going to still turn over a bit at least at the end of next season. Um, so I think he's got potential. I think he definitely deserves the rookie spot. Um, but, yeah, I think just a consistent season at Box Hill, and then hopefully we see him play a few, a few senior games uh, in the coming years. Is he following the same path as uh, see Dylan Moore Dylan Moore was like rookie list and
0: yeah you know, what was thought to be his final season and, and really on his last chance uh, would that be the inspiration for him? yeah
1: I mean there's there's precedent there I think if you look uh, in terms of precedent through history uh, it, it's not significant significantly positive but you know all he's got to do is keep working hard and um, hope that he gets another shot. And, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how the next three or four weeks and then uh, turns out in terms of the draft and spots and um, Prinzi will will be able to uh, answer this more, but the notion of keeping that one-list spot open or two-list spot op- spots open for... The preseason supplemental period, and and potentially having a spot in the midseason draft, it'll just be interesting to see how Mitchell falls into that piece that that part of the jigsaw puzzle.
0: Yeah, I think uh, yeah we're also excited by the, the package that Mitchell offered when his draft, and hasn't chance to get his body right. Hopefully, this will be the catalyst. And, the, you know, the, the scare of going back to the rookie list might be what gets him out playing regular footy. Um, it is the time of the year when the draftees or the, Hawthorne, the players Hawthorne brought into the club are sort of making their way back from overseas and starting to sell into the club. So we've seen the, the Lloyd Meek interview go up on the Hawthorne uh, website and app this week. And we also saw the Cooper Stevens who apparently uh, was in Ireland with his Geelong teammates and the internet reception dropped out the last, well, following trade radio, and the internet dropped out the last five minutes before the trade period finished, and they had to pull into some servo in the boondocks of Ireland somewhere to find out that his trade to Hawthorne had gone through. Danny, from what you know of him, is he a best 22 player at this stage for Hawthorne?
1: Danny?
3: Sorry. Hello. Uh, I think I... Have you got me? Yes, yeah. Sorry, I double tapped the mute button there. Um, I think he probably starts um, right on the fringe of our twenty-two, and I think he will be given every opportunity to stake his claim as a as a best twenty-two player to start twenty twenty-three. I think um, you know with the turnover of Omir and Mitchell um, and also Shields, uh, not that he was a starting midfielder, but it, it it signals to the young midfield options that there are there are positions there to be taken. So. Um, he'll start off on level peggings with, you know, the guys like um, even Connor McDonald for a midfield spot and and that sort of thing. I think what Stevens offers is the fact that he's in and under, he's a contested ball winner, he's 188 centimetres, so he's on the taller side. So he offers some of the things that our midfield unit probably needs. And and look, you know, there's not slaps, um, by Richie Vandenberg in the media. But, you know, there was some comments by Vandenberg in the media um, about um, Mitchell and O'Meara mo- being moved on and that well, we've been 18th in, in uh, ranked midfield for the last couple of years. So what are we really losing or what's the effect? I think, you know, Stevens will see that and know that he comes from a really strong midfield unit in, in Geelong and, and absolutely believe he will be. Um, a, a, a starting midfielder in, in round one next year. Whether that happens or not, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge.
0: I think it's what people
3: are, um, you
0: know, when they say Hawthorne have gutted their, their, you know, lost the 1,100 games of experience or whatever it is. I mean, the midfield is coming from a very low base. So why not make some wholesale changes now and go young and get them to grow together? I think that sometimes gets lost in the discussion that... Uh, as, as Vandenberg did make it, it's not like a Premiership midfield being traded out of the club at its peak. It was a midfield that was struggling.
1: I no, think as, absolutely. Sorry, Wessie. I was just going to say, I think as well, the argument that, yeah, that they were played out of position last year, which we know that they were Mitchell and O'Meara, um, that's valid other than the fact that it's not just last year that we've had these significant... Midfield issue, issues—they're the years before it as well that they've been part of. So, I guess the only other um, thing I'd add, Prince, is you know Stevens. Obviously, given that Jai's reached his ceiling, would be very confident about starting in round one.
3: Absolutely, go straight <laughs> past him. Just a just a bang average player, John. You
1: think?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh...
3: Yeah, just a player, apparently. Uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Josh, maybe there's bulletin, some bulletin board material there. Um in terms of more footy news from the Hawks, uh, we think the coaching staff has now been finalised. Um, but we will see what happens when that uh they're gonna announce something. I think next week they're gonna actually announce the final roles uh for everybody in the uh in the coaching staff. We know that Christian might be defensive coaching more, given that uh, Kate Simpson's taking that. We've got a couple of other, uh, you know, who goes to the midfield, who takes the forward line, uh, who does the rucks, that sort of thing. We're going to find all that out uh, pretty soon. Um, AFLW season is well and truly over. Jazz Fleming has made the 40-player squad for the 22 under-22. 22, uh, the Play Association putting out, given how Hawthorne, Gets robbed by every year in the players' association and various things. We don't help hold that great hope that she makes the uh, the top twenty third as good as her debut season was, but uh, you know she's got a bit of time, I think, to make that squad before uh, uh, over the next couple of years. Um, I don't think there's too much else to talk about in terms of on-field matters. We see you're missing anything football-wise before we turn to the off-field stuff.
1: No, I think we've covered everything on the agenda from our. Uh from An on field football point of view, so uh, yeah, by all means, hit go on the on the political side of things, yeah. So,
0: the Hawks, if you haven't been uh, if you're living under a rock, uh, you might notice there's an election coming on, it's getting a bit spicy. Peter Dankerville, the Hawthorne president, uh, is called president elect, but it's technically not right, he's the aspiring president and the board's choice for president, but he's not president elect, there will be an election. Between- between him and Andy Gowers, uh, has been on the media hustings this week. Spoke to us today. Uh, we recorded a podcast uh, a few of us with him earlier today. That is going to drop sometime next week. Um, without giving too much away, from that he just he didn't divert too much from the talking points he's been using in interviews with people like Jared uh, uh, Whateley and um, and. Uh, John Ralph from the Herald Sun and a couple, uh, or Jay Clark, whoever from the Herald Sun, spoke to him. Um, basically, he thinks that uh, his push is going to be one of the club needs stability um, off the field in order to get the best on the field. Uh, the stability will come from making him president and re-electing to the board two of the existing people who are standing for the board. He claims that uh, Andy Gals hasn't really outlined a vision for the club, although that would be contradicted by the... Uh, Statement that Gow was released yesterday through Hawks for Change. Uh, He also um, believes that the club fulfilled all the requirements to make it known that they were were taking nominations for the board. Explained his position around the nominations committee. I don't think that is the satisfaction of a lot of people, but that's his story and he's sticking to it. He stuck to it with the... He explained it to people earlier in the week and he's used the same line on the podcast an interview we did today um, without giving too much away in terms of other stuff. He's been quoted elsewhere as talking about Hawthorne wanting um, to keep a foothold in Tasmania, even if Tasmania was once Tasmania joins the AFL. I think they're going to fight very hard to keep as many of their Tasmanian uh, members and supporters as possible and wanted to pitch Hawthorne to be a natural rival, perhaps the biggest rival. To Tasmania when I do join the competition and with a view to playing one and maybe more games at uh, Launceston even once Tasmania joins the competition, I guess a bit of news will, that he did let fly to uh, let slip today. Well not let slip. He, he answered the question. We'll talk more about it when the podcast comes out. But we won't be seeing any, any action on Dingley till 2024, which may come as disappointment to a few people out there. I know really keen for that to happen as soon as possible. Real news updates, but for a number of reasons and pretty much all out of the club's control. Danny, you're on the uh, discussion today, so I don't know what you think, but uh, it looks like it's going to be really slow going for Dingley and uh, certainly the plans for AFLW to play home games there as early as next season won't be happening because the facility won't be anywhere near ready. Yeah,
3: you're spot on. I think, uh, you know, that was probably... You know, you talked about some very legitimate reasons, um, you know, COVID and and all of that sort of stuff, putting delays into the the Kennedy Community Centre being completed. Um, But I I guess from a fan point of view, um, it was just disappointing to hear that confirmed because, you know, we've been talking about, it feels like we've been talking about Dingley forever and, and, and just the continued delays. So, um, I understand and this is not putting the blame at the football club or Nankerville at all. Um, they, they're all situations out of his control. But um, yeah, just getting a little bit of a date on that sort of was a bit of a bit of a blow, I think. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's going to take a while um, for it
0: all to happen. He said if you drive past there now, uh, if you go in there, you'll be Breaking the law because it's built—it's a construction site. But he said it's the grading works have started, and you can sort of make out where the ovals are going to be now, and you can sort of work out where the uh, the facility, the sort of the buildings, are, are going to be situated on the property. So it's very very slow progress, but progress has started, looks like. But uh, yeah, be uh, no, uh,
1: yes, With the, without um without. Uh, giving too much away because obviously it's going to drop as a pot. Did, did he explain why? Was it a financial issue? Is it more in terms of having the fund, all the funding necessary at the right time? Is it a um, contractor issue? Did, did he highlight why it has taken so much longer than everyone hoped?
0: I think it's a combination of a lot. I mean, it's always the perfect storm in, in, in a bad way. It's a combination of COVID delaying a whole lot of things. And the construction industry is really... I mean, the, the, the lack of the lack of raw material in the building industry, Anyone's trying to build at the moment would appreciate that. It's hard to get your hands on raw material. So there's been that. Um, just the whole process, even the fundraising, last, that last bit of fundraising, they needed to slow to a trickle during COVID as well. So they really got at a bad time. Well, my calculations... I think Dingley, they first expressed an interest in buying the property. I think the first, it came out in 2015, or at the latest 2016, Dingley's been on the cards. Because one of the reasons Hawthorne didn't pursue an AFLW license at the very beginning was because they felt the biggest priority was Dingley and they didn't want to be diverted from that. So that's And that all took place in 2015, 2016. So it'll be close to 10 years. By the time they finally move in there, it'll be a project 10 years in the making, which is a very long time. It's a very, very long time for for that to happen. In most clubs, uh, you know, in some cases, clubs have, have, have opened facilities and revamped them and moved back into them in a much shorter period of time. hawthorne has been dicking around thinly so uh, it will happen. It's it's going to be very slow, but the interview was interesting. Not a whole lot of I mean, I commend to everyone to listen to if you want to make an informed choice at the upcoming elections. We you know, it's mandatory to listen to the to the interview, but you ha- haven't heard him do much interview in the media before. It's certainly worth a listen. Um, and he's a good person, Pete Nankerville. You'll draw your own conclusions as to whether he's the right person uh, to be the next president of the Hawthorne Football Club. But certainly he's coming from a, from a good place. Um, but we'll leave everyone to draw their own conclusions. We are recording our podcast with Andy Gowers tomorrow and that will drop. We're going to probably put that up quite soon because, to be a bit cheeky, if want to get in ahead of uh, the rally that Hawks are changing, doing with Andy Gowers on Sunday at 3 o'clock, That uh, if you're on their database, you will have seen a link to it, that. But we're going to be a bit cheeky and drop our podcast with him a little bit before. So uh, you'll get an inkling for what he has to say. Uh, Nick will ask some questions of Gowers. It will certainly be that he felt Gowers hadn't answered satisfactorily. Danny, would that be right? that We'll be dropping uh, those questions to him tomorrow.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think he uh, he questioned, you know, sort of a, quite a fair bit around Gowers and um, sort of, yeah, there was a couple of comments in there, which I don't want to give away because then then there's no point in people listening to the podcast. But um, definitely stuff to listen to and, and, and a little bit spicy, a little bit fiery, I think. And he, he bit back, a, I think maybe copped a few allegations across different... Um, sort of media um, things that he's done. And I think he, he sort of a little bit jack of it, he sounded like um, with a couple of the answers and, and probably fair enough too. like, um, you know, I've been as critical as, as, as anyone of the way I feel like the club has handled um, a number of things over the recent past, but, you know, the placing them all at, at Nankerville's feet um, as some have is probably very unfair. So, um, one thing I will point out is um, he was at pains to state that he is a completely different person to outgoing president, Jeff Kennett, and that he's his own man and he will lead and govern his own way. And uh, I, I think, um, I think, you know, if, if nothing else there'll be a lot of people that are pretty happy to hear that. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see and, and unpack with, uh, with him how, what that really looks like. So you'll, you'll get a bit of a feel for that in the pod uh, when it's released.
0: Yeah, that's right. So they'll be out.
3: Uh, we'll be pretty close to each other. We, uh, we'll get Gowers up and we'll get
0: Nankable up pretty quickly after that as well. So we won't... Uh, so you'll be able to listen to both so we'll nearly back-to-back back and, and help make up your choice. So the voting opens on November 18, if you're a member of the footy club. So we, uh, and, uh, we've and got board members uh, and aspirants coming on over the next little while as well. We're recording Maria Louie on... Uh, Louis of the U on Monday, and we'll get that up uh, sometime next week as well. So you'll be making completely informed choices. Um, it would appear, without wanting to pat ourselves the back too much, it would become the preferred avenue for the board members to uh, and and the aspirants to sort of come out and spruik their wares and and uh, outline their vision for the club and why they should be in the board. So we we're taking advantage of that, and uh, you as supporters. Should take the opportunity to listen to all these podcasts, so you make the most informed choice about who you think should be taking the footy club forward in what is a very critical period coming up. Um, it's um
1: just on that. Ash, I think I feel like it's quite a privilege for us because we've obviously had the issues around um, access to the database and the ability to contact members from you know certain people. Um, connected to the upcoming AGM, and, and that's caused quite a bit of angst amongst the supporter group. And and then I believe that um, that everyone will get a two hundred and fifty word submission through the club to be able to put their case forward to be um, why they should be um, voted for at, at the AGM. But um, I, I feel like. Um, the the fact that we've got this opportunity is really special to be able to give everyone um, a chance to really get to know uh, who they will be voting for, to actually give the members the opportunity to have their say on who they want governing the club moving forward and actually be able to make an informed decision. So, um, yeah, obviously it's it's a wonderful position to be in, and from a Hawks insiders' point of view, um, feel honoured to be able to help represent represent the nominees to the members and and be in the privileged position.
0: Now, before we go, I have jumped the gun slightly. We were going to get Danny, and we will get Danny very quickly. Back to football. Um, as I said, next week on the on the spaces, Cal Toomey will be on for an extensive chat about the draft from a Hawthorne point of view. Uh, Danny dropped an excellent piece on that sub-stack uh, following up what he said last week with who Hawthorne likely to Target with their first pick. Danny, just give us some names uh, for the next few minutes uh, with Hawthorne's second-round pick, which is likely around 24 or so. Some of the players that might be in the mix for that selection.
3: Yeah, thanks, Ash. It's... um... It's a really fluid situation when you get into the early second round, late first round, early second round, because um, there's quite often teams that will um, jump for players that most clubs didn't ex- don't expect uh, to go that high and there'll be others that drop low. And, but if it plays out the way that people expect it to at this stage through um, power rankings and phantom drafts and all that sort of stuff, um, there, are, there are a number of really interesting options and all very different players. I've, I've, um, in my article that will come out probably early next week, I think, um, I've started highlighting um, you know, some, some really good options. And I think some of the ones that I'm really excited about are actually um, very different players to each other. So um, I think one that will be of interest to a lot of play, uh, fans is uh, Murray Bushrangers uh, forward slash midfielder Braden George. He's an incredibly powerful um, sort of medium forward in the Christian Petrarca, Dustin Martin type um, mould in terms of his power, his acceleration, his speed, that real explosive sort of um, fast-twitch fibre player um, who can just kick bags of goals. He kicked uh, five goals in round one of the NAB League and then backed it up with another bag of six in round five the biggest question mark around Braden George at the moment, the reason why he would fall to around pick 24 if he makes it is because he unfortunately tore his ACL midway through the season in the NAB league. So um, if the Hawks are looking at um, George and I, I would hope that they would be regardless of that knee injury, it'd be because the talent is so great that they're willing to sort of skip out on that first season. And because we're looking, we're in a long build, um, you know, we're not thinking about results next year. We're thinking about the long term. So um, another another option if we're looking to, uh, I guess, see the transition of Dylan Moore from um, small forward to goal-kicking midfielder uh, would be to top up our small forward um, options. And Charlie Clark might be one, uh, Sandringham Dragons uh, forward, who can also play a little bit through the midfield. And it might be that, you know, somebody like him comes in and, and you've got uh, he and and Butler and and guys like that rotating through the midfield when we're up and going like Pupalo and Bruce and Cyril used to do in our in our Halcyon years. So um, Clark is a really aggressive Tom Papley uh, like midfield forward, um, really niggly, um, super competitive, loves a goal, very quick and great as a forward pressure um, small forward. So. Um, he would definitely be an interesting option at that at that pick. Uh, another linked to potentially to Hawthorne at 24 and very, very different is Isaac Keeler from North Adelaide. Um, he's a forward ruckman. I think he probably ends up as a forward at AFL level. His endurance base isn't great. And the, the Crows had access to him as a next generation Academy talent and actually passed up that opportunity to, um, to match a bit on him, uh, which is interesting and probably raises a couple of alarm bells to clubs. But I think the pure talent of Keeler at 198 centimeters with his uh, X factor and his athleticism and his ability to move around the ground um, means that, you know, he'll be one that'll be looked at regardless of potentially some of those red flags. Um, Henry Hustwaite is another one who um, is really an interesting player when it comes to what Hawthorne are looking to do. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a midfielder, but he's 194 centimetres. So if we're trying to build out the different body shapes and the different sizes um, in our midfield unit, um, he would be one that's really interesting, but he's different to other tall midfielders, say like Connor Nash, who's a wrecking ball uh, at 198 centimetres in Husweight kind of is not super fast but incredibly uh, clean and smooth in traffic and has that sort of, I'm not comparing him to Pendlebury, but that Pendlebury ability to kind of find space where you shouldn't be able to find space. And um, I think that's really interesting at 198 centimetres, especially. Um, Another one who I really like uh, is Lockie Cowan. Uh, He is uh, one of the youngest players in the draft pool. Uh, last week, we talked about Matthias Philippou being another young player in the draft pool who was worth looking at with that top pick. Um, Cowan is a, a, a rebounding uh, defender, which, you know, initially when you think about it, it's probably the last thing Hawthorne need. But he's just incredibly talented. He's a great leader, leader uh, of the Tassie Devils Um and uh, very consistent, uh, a beautiful penetrating kick off half-back and, and uses the ball really, really well. Um, and, and I'm very interested in two other players. Um, Max Grzyzewski, uh from the Oakley Chargers, who's a tall utility. Uh, if anybody watched the Vic Country, Vic Metro um, National Championship game, he was the one that took a couple of hangers in that game. He's missed a lot of this year through niggly injuries as well and has come back late in the season and been fairly impressive. Um, A little bit short to be, I think, a a key, key tall. He's 193 centimetres. But uh, I think, you know, as a third tall or potentially a second tall behind a Mitch Lewis up forward, he has the ability to play both ends. So you might be able to develop a real swingman there. And one that I... um, that I like and I'm I'm glad uh has dropped it in the comments is uh is Darcy Jones from WA. He is a tiny little um midfield midfielder who uh played played for WA in the championships. Um lightning quick, um great skills, uses the ball beautifully, um delivering it into the forward fifty. He's sub 180 centimeters. I think he's one seventy five or one seventy six. So he's very small. Um but slippery, uh, explosive, uh, and has some of the... And again, we, we rush to compare players to, to greats of, of, of the game and, and, and emerging um, guns in the AFL, but he has some Shea Bolton-type t- qualities about him in terms of some of the things that he does around the footy. So, um, you know, off the top of my head, they are some of the uh, options, I think, that'll be in and around pick 24. I don't think they'll all be available at 24, but I think, uh, I think you know, a couple of them probably will be. So, um, again, we don't know, you know, I, I think with the, the news on Seamus Mitchell, I wouldn't be surprised if there's lots of conversations happening um, now in the lead up to the draft on draft night around trying to jag another pick between pick six that we currently have and pick 24. So maybe trying to get our hands on one of the GWS picks or something like that. Um, using the flexibility that we have with the multiple later selections and future selections. So it'll be one to watch on draft night and, and one to read about. Uh, I'm putting together sort of uh, profiles on all of these draft, draft prospects at the moment, and they will come out. That'll hit your substack sometime ne- early next week.
0: Very comprehensive,
3: as always, Danny. We thank you for that, uh, for the work. You put into that. Uh, That is probably
0: about it. I think we've run a little bit over time and uh, we've got through a fair bit. I think Uh, after news from Hawthorne, I think the financial report, the financial result for the uh, year just gone will probably drop between now and our next uh, spaces. That's something else that uh, Ped will uh, let us know during the podcast. So that I think might be as early as tomorrow, but I think the next few days the Hawks will reveal their. Financial statements of the year, and I think outlined a bit of vision for what the finance financial look like going forward without the poker machines and the gaming venues. So that has been it. Um, thanks everybody. Look out for a fair bit from us. Lots of uh, stories in the Substack. Lots of podcasts. Both uh, said Peter and Andy Gowers, in the next few days as well. Uh, thank you for your support of Fox Siders. Fifty dollars for a year, five dollars a month gets you the very best sports content there is paul you've got 30 seconds a quick question
3: hey guys I just a uh, quick question um are we looking at any of the delisted free agents i just haven't heard much in that uh, realm
0: well they we picked up one already fergus green he technically is a delisted free agent um, from the western Bulldogs. not sure what will be happening there's another list lodgement to come at the end of the uh, before the draft and I think if there's more action on the delicacy free agent front it will likely be around that time. So I wouldn't rule out the Hawks to any more. There is, you know, as I said with Seamus Mitchell not joining the list, there is a bit of space. Danny, how many list spots are there
3: available now? Still? Uh... Five? I think seven or eight now. Seven or so, eight. Yeah. Um, I, I would be surprised if we picked up another delisted free agent. I think we'd probably leave a space or two, even after taking five potential draft picks at the draft. I think we leave leave a space or two on the list uh, for the sup, uh, supplemental supplementary selection period. I always stumble over that one. Uh, and potentially a mid-season draft next year. I don't see them being in a rush to sign anybody now. They might get invite a couple of players to train with them over pre-season.
0: Yeah, I think the list, given where the Hawks are at at the moment, they'll, they'll go, happy, happily go into the season with one or two list spots and then position to grab someone someone they like and someone who they think can offer something uh, to the team going forward. That has been it for the Spaces. Next week, don't forget the big one with Kel Toomey, our draft preview special. If you're going to listen to one uh, space, well, you should listen to more really, but if you're going to listen to one space in the off-season, make it this one. You'll be better informed about what the Hawks might do who they should get from listening to Cal. He's the absolute guru of all these things and he's uh, always happy to come on and share his knowledge with us. So we look forward to that next week. As I said, gals, and Nankeville pods to come up as well. Keep looking for those in our usual from your usual podcast provider. Thank you for everyone for your support of Fox Insiders, as always. It's been great uh finding lots to talk about in the off season. We will talk to you again next Thursday night, eight thirty Australian Eastern Summertime as we look ahead to the forthcoming National Draft. Have a